Welcome to another edition of the Indie Corners Podcast. This is your host, Mark Schindler. As always, before we start today, if you haven't already, please make sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. They play together, they believe. Get your feet back. Here's LeVert. It's called LeVert. Back in. And he's made. He's on Twitter. He's a one-man wrecking crew. Holiday. I can't stand. I'm very happy. I'll be there. Tom, how are you doing today? I'm not too bad. Nice uh, little W for the Pacers last night to keep rolling. I had a uh, kind of a rough schedule on the horizon here for a few games. So yeah, I'm doing well on a Monday. I'm glad to hear it. It's uh yeah, it's it has been a morning so far. Um, my dog's been crazy hyperactive, but uh, we're making it work. At least my morning's going better than Cassius Stanley's though. <laughs> oh. Oh. probably getting his car detailed yeah. as we speak uh for anybody who missed yeah. that out on that uh Cassius Stanley had his car popcorn is that is that an adjective that I can use um yeah I mean I think that's a verb popcorn them oh yeah. I guess that would be that would be a verb maybe wow this is it's almost like I I don't write <laughs> but um yeah <laughs> is uh so is Miles Turner the uh oh I'm pretty sure Miles was Miles the Turner and friends yeah really I the, think uh, Malcolm threw a uh, yeah Malcolm threw Miles under the bus a little bit in his video and said, thanks to, thanks to Miles for holding it down back home. Oh, yeah, yeah. So uh, <laughs> we know. Um, Cassius was not happy. I would not be either. Didn't, did, did they do this to Goga last year? I think they did. It was something like they this. Did, I remember yeah. them doing something. I think it was, um, it was uh, – It might have been packing peanuts. peanuts. Yeah. Yeah, which I think would be better than popcorn. Yes. Even if it wasn't buttered. <laughs> oh god yeah i can't even imagine that. i just where did you get some, all that popcorn from like oh, i guess yeah. it's not oh. that hard but who knows man <laughs> not, not, yeah. regardless all i could think i felt yeah, like right. uh, i very much so felt some uh some pain from cassius and i was like oh i feel that i i don't want that um so looking at uh, i, I want to talk about the minnesota game first but then i want to talk about the uh the whole week in general and we'll close out talking about the clippers for sure too uh, that game's going to be going on tomorrow. Um, I guess the first thing I would ask, we saw just looking at an overarching trend, um, this last three games without Miles. Uh, so the team went 3-0. This is not a, re- a referendum on which center is better or whatever. Um, just going right there. Huh? Yeah, I just I just have to say it right away. That's not what this is about. But more, th- there was just a theme this week. Team got out on a, on a big lead early, um, scored their most points in a, in a quarter yesterday with 45 in the first quarter. Um, and then they almost lost the game. I mean, they ended up pulling it out in the fourth, but they had a, another just abysmal third quarter. Um, and they ended up pulling it out. But the defense has just looked uh really bad over the last couple games um without miles and again that's not this we'll get into it it's not just about domas but um just to give a reference uh the pacers in those three games so in that three game stretch they have the third third highest defensive rating uh in the last three games in the nba uh with the 122 offensive rating that is really good the defensive rating is 116.8 which puts them squarely in 20th so it's not like the worst, but it's it's definitely not good either. Um, you want to hear what the rebounding percentage is? I guess. Yeah, I was going to say you don't <laughs> you don't want to, but the defensive rebounding well, percentage yeah. is sixty four point five, which is three percent lower than the twenty ninth ranked team. So just to give give people an idea, if you didn't watch any of the games, 
Uh, they were abysmal on the glass this week. And I guess I'm, I'm you know, I'm making light of the fact that they just went three and zero, but there was just a lot going on this week. It was, uh, we talked about this on, on prior pods. It was very hard to decipher what on earth to make out of some of these games. Yeah, really. I mean, the rebounding wasn't as bad last night. Um, it was just, you know, the offensive rebounds they were giving up were killer to, to Memphis, but they ended up getting a few crucial rebounds of themselves. Um, otherwise, they, that game would have slipped away. But, yeah, it, it you know, it's tough when they when they're when they have Miles and Sabonis gets in foul trouble against a big like Carl Anthony Towns or or Valachunas who can um, the Lithuanian and, war yesterday. <laughs> oh yeah! Oh, I mean, that was awesome. It was, a, it was awesome, but also it, not it awesome is, at the yeah, same it, time. It was a good battle, and it was kind of cool at the end to see them you know, swapping jerseys and and high five when they were they were they were going at it. Oh yeah, um, but you know, I, I I felt like those teams were like, let's go in at Sabonis and try to get him in foul trouble, try to do something with him, and um, you know what whether that was specifically the plan or not, it looked like it, and that's how it worked out. And um, so you know, go ended up having to play more minutes than usual in Memphis, and actually you know fared pretty well most of the time, but um, I think. I think also that um, kind of pushes Brooker trying to go to the zone more, maybe protect Sabonis. I don't even really think that protects him. Yeah, um, and it, it certainly doesn't isn't that effective um, for those guys. So um, you know, maybe if they would, you know, again we talk about chasing guys in the perimeter, go over screens and stuff, maybe tighten it up and, and just play a little more help side. Um, man to man, it would be more effective. But um, yeah, they're, they're they're definitely are vulnerable with that group, and um, and you know have to rely on on the offense, which was really fun to watch uh, for about 14 minutes to start the game yesterday in Memphis, and they had similar stretches against Minnesota as well. Um, but man, it just becomes a shootout. Yeah, I mean that was. Uh... That was the best the offense has looked probably the entire year. And granted, part of that is, uh, I mean, the Grizzlies just did not play a good game at all yesterday, to be completely honest. They've had a a little bit of a rough stretch recently. Um, I was a little bit frustrated yesterday, too, because a lot was, as always, you know, when there's only one center out, people start talking about what they're doing poorly. Um, I didn't think, I mean, nobody played really any good defense yesterday to, to be a little bit reductive, but kind of honest. I mean, if you let up 120 plus points, you're not playing good defense. Um, but so often people are chalking it up to to Domas, and it's just that's not fair. Like I, I don't think that that's yeah. fair at all. The help defense on this team is a, just it was abysmal yesterday, um, and that was the case most of the week. Other than I mean, in, in the first half of the Minnesota game, I thought the defense was like okay, um, and they started to make more of their open shots. But like I tweeted this out at the beginning of the game, I made the mistake of saying this will be a more competitive game. And then the second quarter, at the end of the first quarter, I was like, well, maybe not. And then they closed the gap in the second quarter, and things, you know, they started to hit more shots. And um, but it's, the problem is, like when when Memphis starts running a pick and roll, um, I, I think so often the defense looks better with Miles out there because he can kind of guard a pick and pick and roll by himself. But I also think people who watch just the Pacers and not. 
other teams in general don't realize. I mean, I, I mean, just in me watching the rest of the league as well, and also talking to some people, like Miles might be the best big pick and roll defender in the league um, in terms of being able to neutralize a two on one. And so it stands out when Domas isn't able to do it. But at the same time, there just aren't that many guys who can actually do that. And the problem is nobody rotates weak side like you're talking about. Like, that's part of the scheme. They have to yeah, rotate weak side. So many times. And nobody does. Like, or if somebody does, it's like kind of half-assed and they let the guy go right past. Like, not to throw Karras under the bus, but there were a lot of possessions yesterday where he's the tagger and he, like, rotates over, like, half the way, puts one hand on the guy, and then they just roll easy to the rim. Like, no. I think it's it's really difficult. I wrote an article on the Knicks this weekend and I think I would encourage people to read it, A, because, I I mean, it was a good article. But also, like, just I show some film. Like, the Knicks run a lot of the same defensive principles, but they're just good at doing it. Like, they execute it really well. And mm-hmm. they uh, they close out really hard on shooters, too. But they force everything in the paint to get kicked out. And that's the problem. Like, you can run it. Like, I think if we saw the tag taggers or just anybody rotating weak side – actually selling out and doing it well and it's not that guys don't occasionally but it's just it's not consistent if we saw that happening consistently i think we would feel very different about the defense but for whatever reason it's just not happening and it's uh it's just frustrating a little bit that it keeps being being put on domas and and no domas is not an awesome defender but i do think we have to be fair in that like it's not just because miles isn't in the game it's because the entire group is not playing cohesively yeah, and I, you know, I, I found it kind of interesting yesterday. I, I felt like there were several times, um, especially earlier in the game, I guess. But um, I don't know. I guess I can have two. But well, I felt like Memphis had open threes that they were passing up and just trying to get into the lane. Yeah. And because I felt, you know, they knew something that was going to be able to create something when it was a foul or, or a shot, um, which I thought was interesting, uh, but. You know, one one thing I it's easy to forget too with with this group when we're talking about the defensive cohesiveness is you know not only is Miles out but you know you're also kind of using Edmund Sumner and Paris LeBert are are new you know what within the last two or three weeks of really playing with that starting group um, and that's. You know, it's just a whole new communication thing. I, I remember early in the season, we we're going through that with uh, with Aaron Holiday in there um, and his brother. You know, the the communication. And you saw last night a couple times that you know they're coming out of timeouts and they're just talking, talking, trying to get on the same page. But um, obviously, not everybody's dialed into exactly what they need to do yet, and that's. Um, you know, that definitely is part of it and it's showing up and, and yeah, uh, carers can get lost out there at times and, and it only takes one guy, yeah. uh, one or one and a half guys and, and then, you know, the dam opens up. So uh, that, that definitely is, you know, the issue they got to keep trying to refine here. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, I think that's a great way to put it. And I think Karras' defense has been better over the last couple of games too, but still just – um, it's, it's not the best. Um, but yeah, regardless, we can talk about some more of the good stuff because again, it was a three and a week. Um, Karis probably played it. Um, not probably. I mean, he, he did play his best game as a pacer yesterday, um, was just absolutely electric. Uh, didn't really score as much in the second half, but the, I mean, he had what 20, 28 points, uh, through the first two and a half quarters, um, was just on fire from, 
pretty much everywhere yesterday. Yeah, it was, uh, he, he was getting to his spots and, and, um, you know, I, I think a few games earlier, he kind of been doing that, but not really hitting the shots. And, and, um, but you know, 34 points on 20 shots is, is not too bad for him. And, um, got to the line a couple of times and, and, you know, was that threat and, and really that, that kind of opened it up and, and, um, Again, with, with Sabonis more facilitating um, offensively as opposed to scoring as much, and also with Fauci, had, you know, Levert was able to get going. So that also opened things up for Brogdon, I think, to be um, more assertive. And it was kind of interesting to see that both of them had big, you know, just from the shots, they, you know, they both got 20 shots up. Um, and, you know, a lot of people, you hear about, well, they can't play together or one of them's, you know, not going to be the guy while the other one's going. But um, last night was, you know, they, they both had to get it going and, and they did um, and kind of brought that thing home. So, yeah, that was that was nice to see. Was, that was interesting to, to hear that on the broadcast how Lebert had scored, I think, 43 against Memphis earlier this year when he was with the Mets. Um, somehow uh, left, left playing in Memphis. Yes, definitely. Um, it was good yesterday, too, because it felt like um, I mean, we, we've talked about this and I talked about it on a solo pod, too, on how uh, I'm interested to see how his uh, his his shot profile kind of shifts because he's taking a lot of pull ups and, and floaters, just really tough shots mm-hmm. that he doesn't necessarily always have to take. And I think yesterday, if at least to me, this is more just going off feel and I, I'm still in the process of rewatching the game. But um it felt like it was pretty in flow for him. Like he wasn't really forcing Like if there were a lot of, a lot of games, even part of this three game stretch, it felt like he was forcing some shots that weren't necessarily um, the best looks for the offense. Um, But last night it really felt like he was uh, driving into the defense and getting good looks at the rim, but also like when he needed to hit those tough shots, he was able to. And I I don't think uh, this, one game should be used as an example because he's not an elite mid-range shooter. Like he can be very good from there, but um, that's why we're talking about, you know, like getting to the rim could be a little bit better for him and the team overall. But last night it felt like a really good mix uh, of what uh, looks like just theoretically what his shot profile could look like. Yeah. And, and he, he, yeah, but played the heavy minutes last night too. Yeah. Um, and I, I think at the game, he mentioned, you know, he's still kind of having, Dead legs, kind of feeling like he's just coming out of training camp right now with the amount of time he's played. Um, so um, it, it seems like he, his shot in his game is is where he wants it to be. It's just you know still physically getting all the way back, and and um, so it, it just was it was good to see him being that assertive and also you know executing like that because uh, they they needed him all last night. Yes, most definitely. Um, it well, I guess. Okay, also, what what would you just say? Biggest takeaways from the game yesterday, like outside of what we've already talked about, what what really stood out to you? Um, it just in regards to how they played or, or how they didn't play. Well, I mean, I the way they started that game and just pushed and and ran the ball, and really the Grizzlies weren't up for running. But I mean, the one time the college took the rebound and literally dribbled the whole way down the court past every Grizzly. Um, it was like, great, take advantage and push it. And, and 
you know, certainly made them uncomfortable, forced them into a zone, which wasn't great. But um, uh, but the thing that the the passing that they had to get that going um, there, you know, first quarter and early in the second to get those transition opportunities, and and even in the in the um, uh, the way Sabonis was facilitating more. Um, I, it was just really fun to watch. The guys were cutting. Sumner, you know, was making himself available on those cuts, and he's such a dynamic presence out there um, that he was able to get by. You know, his man was caught looking a few times. Um, and the only thing that got frustrating was that it was it was going so well. Um, and a lot of those passes, you would say, were home run passes, but they were open, they were there, and they were just executed. And then, you know, once they got that lead, they were really going for some home run passes, and and you know, got really sloppy, really, and 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 the turnover started to mount, which opened the door to let Memphis get back, and and you know, that was that part was kind of frustrating. It was like, God, you know. You, you play at this high level and then all of a sudden it's like, yeah, we got this lead. I'll try this pass through three guys. It has no chance to get there. Um, and those, those moments with this team is just um, what ends up, you know, can kill them. I mean, they just don't have that, that margin for error to give up possessions. And when they got it going, man, you got it. You got to stay, um, you know, smart and efficient. Um but the, the other takeaway kind of is, is, and I saw someone from Memphis mentioning that like, like their record when uh, Balachunas, you know, school has a high scoring game like last night or Morant does, they don't usually win. And I, I kind of feel that, you know, same way with, with Sabonis when he has those big games. Yeah. Pacers usually end up, um, and, and when he's in his role now, facilitating, grabbing the ball and going and getting it out. Um, that's when the Pacers can be at their best, and when they, you know, they still end up with uh, what six guys in double figures, and and um, uh, even though the you know, two guys had the big games and, and did mostly the um, heavy lifting, when they were rolling in that first quarter, everybody was getting uh, a little taste, and that you know that remains the best way for this team to play, um, and and the only way they're going to survive is you know being that team that is, you know, greater than some of their parts. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, like Caitlin always says, the whirling dervish offense around Sabonis, a bunch of cutters. Um, mm-hmm. they, yeah, no, they, they do. I, I think that was my biggest takeaway from yesterday too. Like um, trying to parse through the good out of it in the less uh, like muddled parts of the game. Like that was awesome. I don't think that's something that you, you they're not going to score 45 every night, but it shows you, okay, well, when you have like this kind of uh motion going in the offense it looks great like guys were just taking okay they were they were getting their touch finding the next man instead of a lot of just over dribble uh, over dribbling and like sometimes you know you have to you have to dribble the ball it's important but um the yeah. way that they did it was fantastic um what did you think about ed uh only playing 20 minutes yesterday that's kind of been the story this entire week he he starts and he looks really good but he only played 21 minutes a game this week um was kind of the same story every game. And I, I wasn't really sure why he was getting uh, less playing time. I mean, I know Aaron holiday played really well. TJ was good off the bench. Like it's tough when you have so many guys playing well. Um, but I don't know. It felt like there was 
the, you could have definitely justified playing Ed starters minutes. Yeah, and, and um, I like I mentioned earlier. I mean, he was such a he's such a key part in that first stretch because he's you know no one's beating him down the floor um, when he's going, and, and um, it, I almost felt like if. I'm sure they want to keep Aaron Holiday in the rotation because he's been playing so well. I, I felt like last night, um, you know, he passed up a shot early. It was like they really needed the offense from that second unit. They didn't have much else going, and he wasn't he wasn't there to deliver it like he had against Minnesota or Orlando. Um, and then you know Lamb was not doing much either. So yeah, you could definitely have taken some of their minutes. Giving them to Ed, and again, you know, Blavin and, and Levert played a ton of minutes, um, and there, you know, there were a few more there, maybe that um, where you could get Ed some more run. I feel um, for sure, but it, I, I think the way Blavin and Levert were going, um, you know, he he just kind of jumped over some of the rotation and, and kept them um, in there. Uh, but I, I agree. I mean. Summer's just been fun to have on the floor for a variety of reasons. And um, I think he definitely helps him um, with some of the defensive matchups as well as we, when we're talking um, with some of those other uh, bench rotations. Uh, it's a struggle for that team to match up. And I, I'd, I'd love to see Summer get in a, a few more of those minutes. Um, I feel like Justin Holliday also is, with LeBert in there now, um, he's playing a little bit of a different role, um, and hasn't he hasn't been playing as much either. Um, but I think that's kind of helped him a little bit be more, I guess, focused on the defensive end as opposed to, um, you know, also trying to do carry a lot of the offense as as he had at some points earlier in the year. Um, but yeah, um, more Ed, more Ed, let's go. <laughs> yeah, most definitely. Um, I'm trying to think where to go next with this. Uh, okay, I guess I would close out talking about Minnesota. What do you think about Goga? I thought Goga had a really good week for himself. Um, like it again. The I mean, he shot 40 percent from the floor, not anything crazy, but he he was taking four threes a game, hit them almost at a league average rate, just looked comfortable, did some nice stuff defensively. Um, I I think this was really key for his development, getting this three game stretch. Yeah, and I mean, it was tough. I mean, that uh, Minnesota game, you know, they were just pounding it in in the second half right down the middle. Um, but I felt like he is um, definitely playing better. And, play, you know, even last night, he played some great minutes when he had to, when, when they, you know, Sabonis had to go to the uh, bench. And I actually thought, you know, they might be able to leave Sabonis out a little longer than they did. Um, uh, just because he, you know, he was being a threat on offense, and and you know he had a few blocks, and um, you know certainly on the defensive end wasn't doing any worse uh, than Sabonis. Obviously, it creates a different dynamic on the offensive end. But uh, it, it's amazing how much more comfortable I am when he's out on the floor <laughs> um, and and playing a bigger role with that second unit and. Um, um, you know, that's been the, the silver lining of these injuries, I guess, to Sabonis and Turner here of late. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, 
All right, well, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll come back and talk about the uh, the Clippers game coming up. Welcome back, Pacers fans. All right, so, Tom, we have uh, – I don't know if you remember. Uh, this team got absolutely shellacked the last time that they played the last the, the Los Angeles Clippers, and they play mm. again tomorrow night. So, uh, coming into this game, what, 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 are you, uh, what are you hoping to see? Because right now it's looking like potentially Miles will be back. Um, nothing set in stone. I know Nate Bjorkman said uh, that he was looking better, uh, feeling better, moving around. Um, obviously, he'll we'll probably know more after uh, he speaks to the media today. I think that's in about an hour, actually. Um, but regardless, uh, whether or not the team is full strength, what are, what are your thoughts going into this game? Well, uh, I can't say that I um, have real positive vibes. Yeah, the Clippers are playing extremely well right now. They're they're just uh, trending in the right direction, and I know. Well, last night I played Detroit without Kawhi, but he was just resting. Um, I don't imagine Paul George will rest this trip through Indy. But um, uh, and, and speaking of Paul George, I mean he he's one of the reasons they're playing so well. He's been been uh, really playing well of late, late. Yeah, he had so, a he had um, a rough March, but then April he's been yeah, on exactly. fire just, since he got healthy. Recently, he's just flip the switch somehow um so yeah it is not a good matchup obviously the Pacers have struggled with the elite teams um when when they get their best so uh as, as happy as we are with the three game wins over teams that you know you, you think they kind of should be uh maybe, maybe Memphis is a push on the should or shouldn't be but um this will be uh, definitely a step step up or step up or three in uh difficulty rating and um you know this week they had you know they play this game and they have three on the road um which is going to be a challenge um you know closing out with atlanta um but um who they at clippers and they at houston at utah at atlanta yeah they they play the two best teams in the league by record right now. Or, I mean, uh, yeah. two of the three best teams because I think – let me check. I think uh, Clippers are – yeah, they're just below Phoenix right now. Well, not just below <laughs> they played three more games. Um, but regardless, I mean, two of the three best teams by record in the NBA this week. And uh, if it's anything like – like Miles being back for Utah is going to be huge um, yeah. in terms of playing against Gobert. He was really big in that matchup and, and did some great stuff in that game. Um which we'll, I mean, we'll talk about that game more as uh, we get closer to it. But regardless, this, I mean, this week is is big for what the team is doing because right yeah. now they're twenty five and twenty seven. Um, they're in the nine seed. They're two games. They they haven't played two games that the Knicks have played. Um, so they still have to catch up on some of those. Uh, but regardless, I mean, they, they they could theoretically still break in to to being above the play in, and I think that's possible because oh, Charlotte. Yeah. Charlotte, uh, I, first of all, did you see Miles Purchase's dunk yesterday? Ooh, oh, oh my man. God, that was amazing! Was, that's probably dunk of the year. Um, yeah, but Boston's been playing a lot better lately. Miami's playing better. Atlanta's been phenomenal. Um, yeah, and it looks like they're probably. I mean, it's probably between them and Miami for locking up the four seed because Boston's just struggled with consistency the whole year. The Knicks have been a little bit uh, on a downturn, so there's a chance that that Indy could pass them or Charlotte. Um, and it'll just kind of depend on how things work out with Boston too. But um, I, I don't know, this week is really key. And we talk about this, like it almost feels like every week, but 
if the team is really um, focused on on having a good competitive first round matchup, then getting out of being in the in playing contention is going to be huge for them and finding a way into that sixth seed. And there just aren't a lot of games left to do it. So this week you have to grit out some of the wins that you're not expected to get. Um, like, yeah, I mean, just looking get... at like on paper right now, sorry to cut you off, but like just looking on paper yeah, no, right now, like playing the Clippers. I, I mean, they're of course going to be underdogs in that game. They'll probably be underdogs. I mean, Houston has been playing a little bit better lately, but I think they should be able to beat Houston. Of course, I'm sure I'll regret saying that as, as soon as, um, right as soon as they actually play and then my mentions will be on fire, but um, Utah, they're definitely going to be underdogs against Atlanta. I mean, Atlanta's going to give them problems. They are, I mean, they're probably the hottest team in the NBA uh, over the last month. Um, So, I mean, ideally you win at least two games, but if you really want to climb up the standings, you got to try and make it a three in one week or maybe a little bit better. And that's just going to be tough to do. Yeah. I mean, if they could get through that stretch too, and, with two wins, I think that'd be huge. Um, and also, if they could be Atlanta, that would give them a tiebreaker with Atlanta. I mean, they're yes, only two games in Atlanta. Yeah. So, but then after that, you know, the 11 of the next, the remaining 16 at home, and, you know, the schedule definitely uh, lightens up, you know, um, the rest of the way uh, after that three-game road, road trip. Uh, in, in Atlanta, so yeah, this this week is uh, kind of a stay above water, keep you know. And again, we we said this before. It's like it's play well, <laughs> you know. Um, you you don't want any setbacks with injuries. You don't want any setbacks with just bad, horrendous play. Um, no matter how how good the Clippers are playing, um, but you you want to be you know at least competing with these better teams. Uh, you know, going into Utah is is no easy task so you're looking you know try to win those houston and atlanta games on the road um but again it's a level of play and and trying to find some improved defense trying to you know do better on the glass rebounding and you know play like a team that that should be in in contention for those playoff spots and then when the schedule turns a little more favorable you can keep keep rolling to finish it out um and hopefully get healthy a legit shot. Uh, the season's been so up and down and, and discombobulated. It's been obviously frustrating. Um, but um, it, it's like, here we go. One more chance to, <laughs> to get things right. And um, um, I'm not saying it starts with the Clippers game because that's um, almost a survival game at this point, the way, the way, you know, they're playing the matchup, but, you know, we'll see what kind of fight they can give them. And, um, um you know, if you can get on top of the Clippers, they they have no problems just bowing out for a night um, if, if things aren't going well. So, um, got to give it to them. See what happens. Yeah, I mean, I guess I would just go out by saying like they can't play any worse than they did in the first game against the Clippers. So that's a it's a positive starting right. point, right? I mean, they they were down <laughs> by fifty at one point, weren't they? It was like something uh, yeah, right around was... there. It was a uh, ugly. Um, but yeah, we'll see with that. I don't think anybody's supposed to be out for the Clippers, like you mentioned with Kawhi resting. Uh, that means he'll probably be back for this game. Um, but we'll see. Uh, a lot to look forward to. I, I, okay, so I got one more yeah. one, one more question in general. It's not not, not necessarily anything in depth analysis, but what have you most been enjoying about the Pacers recently, or or just basketball in general? Well, I, I've been enjoying the um, 
you know, we talked about Sumner, we talked about Aaron Holiday, the way he's, you know, the, those guys have see it and, and go to those guys have been in, you know, up and down, thrown all around with their roles and with, um, you know, what's expected of them and then how they impact the team and seeing them, you know, the fruits of their work behind the scenes when we don't see them. Obviously, they've been working because they've been able to come in and impact and show value. Um, so seeing those guys, you know, have success like that, even Keelan Martin coming in and, and you know, playing a role in, in some games and, and um, just seeing that, there, you know, there's development going on and these guys are, are showing some value um, that, you know, can give the, the team some, uh, you know, various options going forward has been, you know, fun to, for me to at least, um, you know, even in some of those games where they've been struggling and, and the rush has been depleted. Um, I, I like to see those guys that are still on the rise and still grinding and still finding a way. Now, you know, I, I say that and you see that video with, with Robin about Cassius Stanley, you know, not putting in the work, not, not doing rookie duties, but also not putting in the work with those guys getting on him. Um, I love seeing that, um, but you hope that, you know, a guy like that um, can see the guys around them who are getting the opportunities and, you know, can figure out a way to, to tap into um, some of the physical gifts he has on the court um, and, and also develop and, and get to a point where he can, he can start making an impact as well. But um, so I guess that, that's kind of been of late um, what I've really enjoyed about, about the Pacers. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I think there's been a lot of fun developments to watch. And I've hit on this before, but like, I mean, just watching Ed and Goga get this run has been awesome. Like seeing them develop and, and start yeah. to flash some stuff that uh, we thought they had and uh, always wanted to see them get a chance to do. And it's been, uh, it's been really nice to see that, that pay off for them. Um, mm -hmm. And it also just brings up a lot of questions. Like Gwen Buckner had a really good point on, um, on the broadcast. I don't know if you caught this, but uh, I can't, I, I don't remember if it was yesterday or the game before, but he mentioned, you know, that um, in some ways injuries could be a good thing for this team because they have the opportunity to get these guys minutes and get them more playing time and, and, and get them confidence and develop and, and see how they look. Um, and then when the team is fully healthy, which <laughs> we say, I, I, I just walked into that one, but uh, I mean, we say that yeah. every, every year, but um, yeah. I don't know. It just, it brings up a lot that could be, uh, it's definitely int intriguing moving forward. Yeah. I know. I, I've kind of chuckled a little bit, um, the last few games because they've been talking about how they haven't had to play Sabonis and Brogdon as much lately. And it's been good because they've been getting rest. And then they both played um, like 40 minutes last night. So, yeah, but, but no, but, but just, it's like they didn't have to play that many minutes earlier in the year either, you know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, and it's like, oh yeah, they they had to play those minutes, and now now it's good that they can actually rest and, and be a little more productive. It's like, well, yeah, but there was no law that said they had to do that earlier in the year either. So, um, but um, maybe that you know, obviously, I think there's more confidence in those guys, and, and like you say, I mean. Um, and could play more minutes, and, and no one would complain. I think. So. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. But uh, we are we are asking for a lot with that because it does not seem like it's going to happen. But it sounds nice in principle, right? But uh, yeah, who knows? Yeah. We'll see. 
All right, Tom. Well, this was fun. We will definitely be back uh, tomorrow night after the Clippers game. Uh, we might have a guest on with us. I'm not sure. But regardless, we will be back after another postgame pod. Uh, we did not do a postgame pod yesterday because I had to cop out because I only slept like nine hours this weekend combined. And I was falling asleep about two minutes after the fourth quarter ended. So uh, this was a good time. Uh, this will be up shortly on the IC feed. So I hope you guys are all uh, having a good rest of your day getting started and uh, enjoying your week. Tom, I'll talk to you later.